Our scripture today comes to us out of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7. We read verses 13 through 29, the words of Jesus out of Matthew 7, beginning in verse 13. He says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow, and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorns or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will know them by their fruits. And not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name cast out demons in your name, and do many deeds of power in your name, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Go away from me, you evildoers. And everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, and acts on them, will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the clouds came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not act on them, would be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. As scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. Today we continue our Lenten series entitled Renegade Gospel. It's a series based on a study written by Reverend Mike Slaughter, and today we can you with our study and to this edition of it entitled Revolutionary Lifestyle. Last week we discovered more about the rebel Jesus. Today we discover more about the lifestyle that represents the rebel Jesus. If I were to ask you the question, of what was the most challenging thing you've ever done? What would be your response? (laughs) I'll leave that one to you. (laughs) Missy said childbirth. Monique just hit Wayne, so there's not a better telling what he said. (laughs) Millie's response is marrying Roy. There's a few others that we could give legitimately, though, and I bet we would each have a different answer in one context or respect to another. 
But I want to tell you a story quickly about a man named Nick Vujicic. Nick Vujicic. V-U-J-I-C-I-C, just for reference. I don't know if I'm saying it right or not, but that's besides the point. We'll call him Nick here on out. So in 1982, Nick was born with something called Tetra Amelia Syndrome. Tetra Amelia Syndrome. It's a rare genetic disorder that causes you to be born with no arms and no legs. However, Nick has two small feet that are attached straight to his torso. Growing up, Nick struggled emotionally and physically to accept his condition. But today, as a follower of Christ, Nick has what he calls, quote, a ridiculously good life. Nick writes, and this is, this is his words, When I'm asked how I can claim a ridiculously good life when I have no arms or legs, people are... People assume that I'm suffering from what I lack. They inspect my body and wonder how I could possibly give my life to God who allowed me to be born without limbs. Others have attempted to soothe me by saying that God has all the answers and then when I'm in heaven, I will find out His intentions. Instead, he says, I choose to live by what the Bible says, which is, that God is the answer yesterday, today, and forever. When people read about my life or witness me living it, they are prone to congratulate me for being victorious over my disabilities. I tell them that my victory came in surrender. It comes every day when I acknowledge that I can't do this on my own, So I say to God, I give it to you. Once I yielded, he said, the Lord took my pain and turned it into something good. He gave my life meaning when no one and nothing else could. He says, if God can take someone like me, someone without arms and legs, and use me as his hands and feet, then he can use anybody. Someone say amen. Amen. Folks, it's not about ability. The one thing that we need is a willing heart. How easily could he have just given up? And how easily every day could we just throw in the towel and say, I give up. This world is too much. All that I see is too much. How many of us feel like our own lives sometimes are like we're living without our arms, our legs, our ability to be able to get anything done or the ability to get any point across or the ability to even overcome what may simply be Everything. (laughs) But the answer to the question, what is the most challenging thing I have ever done? As a Christian, we all have a similar answer. The answer to the most challenging thing that we will ever do as Christians 
is life itself. Is life itself. But listen to this. Our commitment to Jesus means commitment to a lifestyle. A revolutionary lifestyle in which we allow nothing to come between us and the mission. What's the mission? Well, our mission in this church and in the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Christ for the transformation of the world. A revolutionary lifestyle is a lifestyle that allows nothing to come between us and that. The commitment means ensuring that our lifestyle is in alignment with the teachings of the rebel Jesus. And this also means submitting ourselves to the authority of Jesus' teachings. What does that mean? That means we not only need to hear the teachings and the words of Jesus, but we must also practice them. We must not only hear them, we must practice them. Otherwise, as in our scripture today, as with the house of the foolish builder, the one who who knew exactly what he should have done, but opted to do the opposite anyway, if we are simply hearers and not doers, then we build a house that cannot stand. That simply will not last. And, and the writer of Matthew made it a point to finish out the passage today with writing that the crowd listened to Jesus' words so intently that he would write that Jesus spoke with authority. That's how important this message is for us. As followers of Christ. You know, many of us, many Christians struggle today significantly with with basing our priorities and our whole life practice on the authority of Jesus' teachings. And what that means is, is we give it everything first. And anything else comes secondary, tertiary, and further downiary to Jesus' teachings and the authority of Jesus' teachings. And, and you know, we, we can attribute... And as many things as we want to, to why that is. We can attribute it to declining church attendance. We can attribute it to social media. We can attribute it to all the other things of the world. But what it comes down to it, it comes down to this. People, fewer people are hearing God's word. Fewer people are hearing God's word. And no doubt, even fewer people are reading God's word. Even so, for those of us who who do hear Jesus' teachings, who, who do read God's Word, how many of us... Okay, here's the ouch moment. Okay, every sermon's got to have an ouch moment. Even though we listen, even though we read, how many of us still fail to practice it? Hello? Everybody say ouch. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to hear this. Hearing without doing yields a powerless faith. 
hearing without doing yields a powerless faith. And you want to know what the greatest excuse people give for not practicing Jesus' teachings? It's too hard. My brother-in-law and I came up with a phrase that we use whenever people would start complaining and we just didn't want to hear it. We called it myrrh. As in myrrhing. Oh, it's too hard, myrrh. Get over it. How many of us would rather myrrh than submit to the authority of Jesus' teachings? As proclaimed Jesus followers, we need to remember that we are not saved simply by what we believe, but by what we obey. Did you catch that? We are not saved simply by what we believe, but by what we obey. The revolutionary lifestyle requires so much more than the simplistic, easy believism or the simply come up to the front and say a certain set of words and go about your way that the institutional church has pushed for too long. Folks, being a disciple of Christ, submitting to the authority of Jesus' teachings takes way more than simply saying a select few bit of words. It goes way beyond that. In our scripture, verses 21 through 23, we hear it. Our works do not save us, but the fruit of our faith should be obedient to what Jesus taught. Someone say amen. Folks, I want you to see something. I want you to see something about just simply belief. Look at Mark 1, 23 through 24. Mark chapter 21, verses 23 through 24. Look, it says, Just then there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Folks, even the demons believe in Jesus. Hello? Even the devil believes in who Jesus is. That's why it takes so much more than just a belief to submit to the authority of Jesus. Jesus' mandate is not simply to believe, but to follow Him. Faith is acting on Jesus' directive to follow, which means that His lifestyle must become our lifestyle. Listen to Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Matthew 7, 13 through 14, real quickly. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. I want you to hear it again. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction. And there are many who take it, for the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life. And there are few who 
find it. Folks, in the church, we think we've created a third way. In fact, many, many have, have claimed that they have. We act as if the narrow way belongs to only a set few of people, like the pastor or the holiest of holy of the saints inside the church. That, that the wide way belongs to the lost, and, and that the middle way, somewhere in between the wide and the, uh, of, of, of the sinners and, and the ones who we uphold as saints, that's where the rest of us dwell, is somewhere in the middle of that road. But folks, this is not at all what Jesus said. Every person who names Jesus as Lord had better be prepared to die for Jesus, had better be prepared to be arrested for Jesus, and yes, dare we say it, had better be prepared to live for Jesus. Christians, so often we have made the rebel Jesus into a safe Jesus. I want you to stick with me today. Just listen with, listen with open ears and open minds just for a minute. How often have we made the rebel Jesus into a safe Jesus? How often have we secluded Jesus in the Sunday school classroom and stopped taking risk on behalf of Christ and the kingdom in our daily lives? Since the third century, the church has moved from being a revolutionary movement into sometimes a museum for saints. Folks, we have been called to be a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Someone say amen. What does that mean? Does that mean we don't want the saints in our church? No, it does not mean that. It means the saints are the ones who lead the way to reach the lost. It means the saints are the ones who go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and teach the rest of us how to do it. We need to become a radical, risk-taking community once again that reflects the directives of its renegade leader and passes the movement on to the next generation and the next and the next. How else will the next generation learn what it means to act on the authority of Jesus if we aren't the ones who are teaching them? Our call, then, to a dangerous faith. Our call to a dangerous faith is why I know personally, and in my household, we are committed to holding ourselves accountable to making sure our children hear, listen to, and witness firsthand the risk and the cost that may be required in following the rebel Jesus. How many of us are saying that today. Lent is a perfect time to reevaluate our lifestyles and ask ourselves some very challenging questions. Questions that we should be asking individually, questions we should be asking as a church. Those questions include where have we accommodated our lives to worldly values instead of kingdom values? And where have we accommodated our lives to worldly politics instead of a new kingdom community? I could go on with a whole other list of questions, but we only have so long today. Someone say amen. amen. 
That's the best amen I got all day. <laughs> so the question then actually becomes, what are we saying to our children? And most importantly, what are we modeling for our children? What are they seeing in us and through us and despite us? Challenging ourselves in this way is what the new birth in Jesus is all about. But I want you to hear something, a bit of an assurance today. No matter what part of the road we're on, no matter which path we may have gone on or are on now or which one we think we're on now, we are all works in progress. How many of you are perfect? If you are, you need to be the one up here teaching. And the whole world needs to be listening to you. But you know what? There's only one that ever lived, that ever will live, that commanded that kind of authority. And that was Jesus Christ. And he brought that authority with him to that cross. Nobody else had better dare enter that realm. (laughs) We are all works in progress. It's important to be all in, but it's also important to bear in mind that we aren't perfect, that we are going to mess up, that we are going to fall short of our goals and our targets. You know, the word sin, it's just a... a, a three-letter word that we've turned into a four-letter word, and all it simply means is to miss the mark. It simply means to miss the mark. We are all works in progress. We will all miss the mark at some point in our lives, but we must trust Jesus for our salvation. We must trust Jesus knowing that left to our own devices, we will never have been good enough to earn it ourselves. We will never have been good enough to earn our salvation ourselves. But hear this. Our righteousness is in Christ. And through what Jesus did for us through his death on the cross and through what we will be singing and shouting and celebrating about on Easter Sunday, we can be made whole again. That is what this lifestyle is all about. Submitting to the one, the only one, who has ever had the authority to say these things, to claim these things, to be perfect, and to bring that perfection and place it on a cross for us. And then on the third day, to bring that perfection alive again. And to still live again, alive and well, in heaven at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's what this lifestyle is all about. There was a young preacher who asked Mother Teresa what advice she might offer to a young preacher just getting started in the ministry. And this was her response. Mother Teresa said, Preach Jesus, the true Jesus, the real Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, and not a Jesus of people's imaginations. Wow. Wow. Preach the real, the true, 
the resurrected, the rebel Jesus, and not the Jesus of people's imaginations. As Christ followers, all of us must commit ourselves to realigning our lifestyles with the one who came with a renegade gospel, who is a rebel to the established way of the time, with a straggly band of followers that would become us that are sitting here today. So the question for us today is this. Where have we placed our authority? Where have we placed our livelihoods? And to what have we trusted our life with? How can we reevaluate that today if it needs to be reevaluated? How, how can we, we, we teach the next generation if we are on the right path? or if we think we're on the right path, how can we then teach the next generation behind us what it looks like to submit to the authority of Jesus' teachings? What does that look like for us as individuals in our circles of influence? And what does that mean as the church and the influences of this community? And not just this community, but the reaches that it has as far as you can see. How are we committing to a revolutionary lifestyle today? That's the gospel message, and that's the question. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen.